Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am the exhausted David Hassigan. To my left, the absolutely knackered star of the playbook, Emery Hunt. After a three-day week, a three-game weekend, Emery Hunt. Good morning, sir. How did we even get to the studio this morning? I don't know. <laughs> good morning, man. Like pride gets you up, and the fact that we get to talk FCS football today is always a reason why. You got to get up out the bed, get off the mat, and get into the studio and record this podcast. It's a nationally renowned podcast. I'll tell you what, though. It's starting to feel a little bit like playoff weather outside. It is cold. It is wet. It has been drizzling for, it feels like, about four days up here in the Northeast. But we are one week away from Selection Sunday. As we're recording this, we are six days away from finding out who the 24 teams are in the FCS playoffs for 2019. We know six of them. Six tickets have been punched to the dance. We will talk about all six of those teams coming up, as well as our top 25s, as we always do. We're going to talk the biggest upset, the biggest shocker, and the wildest games of last week. There were plenty of those. Our game balls, of course, and we'll talk about the bubble teams going into week 13, because there's a lot of teams that still have a legitimate chance of getting those at-large bids. And it's, of course, rivalry week, and rivalry breeds contempt. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the headlines we expect to see going into Selection Sunday for next week. Emery, let's start with the games we were at this week. You had an interesting one. Uh, Morgan State, you were on the call for that game once again. Um, a difficult opponent, though. Well, not a difficult opponent, but an interesting opponent for them this week for the Bears. Yeah, they had to play Virginia Lynchburg. Uh, shout out to head coach Bobby Rome, who you know does a great job with, with the, the cars that he's dealt with that program. Mm. They showed up 40 minutes before kickoff. Not 40 minutes before, you know, the opening of the stadium or 40 minutes Friday, you know, before closing time. No, 40 minutes before (laughs) kickoff. So credit them for traveling from Lynchburg, Virginia to Baltimore. I don't know what that distance is, but getting there the day of the game. And, (laughs) I mean, listen, Morgan went down the field the first four plays, 60 yards touchdown. You thought this was about to be a significant route. Then, Two plays later, uh, Syed Saidabay, 80-yard touchdown reception. And now they're going back and forth. It was 14-12 at the end of the first quarter. And we saw Coach Wheatley just lit, just light into his defense. And, <laughs> you know, from that point on, <laughs> by, the, by the fourth quarter, it was 59-12. to 12. So they didn't score after he lit up their defense. <laughs> but you saw a lot of – Big time plays from Morgan State in this ballgame. Menashe barely had four touchdowns. One came nice. from a fellow receiver who threw a touchdown. Uh, Wes- Wesley Wolfhawk was a se- he's a graduate senior. Hadn't scored a touchdown all season, scored three in this ballgame and threw one. That's cool. Uh, so everybody got their they're just doing this in this contest. Uh but man, I was impressed with some of the guys from Virginia Lynchburg, especially Thomas Newman, the running back. I felt like he was the only guy outside of these three receivers that they had. He was the only guy that was really giving up, giving problems to this defense of Morgan State. Uh, so it was a great win for the Bears. Close out their home slate. They got Howard this upcoming week in the the Beltway um, rivalry. They call it. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting game for sure. Uh, obviously, some issues at Howard we that we've uh, talked about a couple times here on the podcast. Um, I was down in the state of Virginia, uh, down in the Shenandoah Valley, Richmond versus JMU, which on paper is a rivalry game. This game was over in about 15 minutes, give or take. 
JMU gets stopped after a couple first downs on the first drive. Richmond starts moving down the field, and they're moving down the field with relative ease. They were hitting some big pass plays. Get within the t- about 10 yards of the goal line. Gets a, uh, makes a catch on a quick little route. Makes two guys miss. He's about five feet from the end zone. I forget which wide receiver exactly it was. Gets absolutely dropped by the safety. Fumble recovered in the end zone. JMU takes the next play, hits an 80-yard pass play over the top to Brandon Polk, and then Richmond fumbles the next kickoff on another hit, and the kicker recovered the ball. So, big shout-outs to the kicker. Kickers are people, too. Um, but after that, damn. JMU is legit legit. I mean, obviously, they're number two for a reason, but when you see them live, you understand why this team is going to be probably getting at least to the semifinals with ease in the upcoming playoffs. This team is legitimately an absolute force to deal with. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be that close. Uh, Big thank you, though, to JMU. Absolutely first-class facilities, first-class food, great taco bar. Well done. Uh, (laughs) So shout-out to Chris Brooks and his team uh, there at JMU. Maybe we'll be back. Maybe there's another playoff game in the future. At Bridge Force I'm Stadium. pretty sure they're going to get a home game at some point. In the, <laughs> at some point in the they, You could probably make an argument that they are so good, they're as good as North Dakota State is good. Mm-hmm. You could be looking at code number ones as opposed to a clear number one and a clear number two. It's hard to – you can't do code ones in the poll, but you can see yeah. how many first-place votes yeah. you know, one team got. It wouldn't surprise me to see them garner a ton of first-place votes. This is a yeah. strong football team in JMU. And and the other team that's in that conversation, it's kind of quietly moving up, Montana. Another massive win this week for the Grizz going into their rivalry game. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about some superlatives, though, from Week 12. Emery, what is your biggest upset of the week? Cornell over Dartmouth. I think that was the Where biggest. Did that come from? Yeah, that that was the biggest upset. Now, you if you watched the Cornell Princeton game, you saw Cornell play inspired football, and they right. really gave Princeton a, a problem throughout that ball game, especially on defense. Did not expect their offense to have success against Dartmouth's defense. I thought this would have been probably a shutout, but the Big Red showed up, showed out, and got the win. Just a huge win. Uh, for Cornell. I thought that was the biggest upset of the week. David Archer, uh, you know, credit to him and his staff. That's a landmark win for him. By the way, shout out to uh, Ithaca, New York. It was a good day for Ithaca football in general. Uh, Ithaca defeated Cortland State in the Cortica Jug game right around the corner from us here in the studio at MetLife Stadium in front of a crowd of 45,000. That's impressive. For a Division Three game. So a good day for Ithaca. Mine, Bryant knocks off Duquesne. Brian had two wins coming into this ballgame. Duquesne with a win, no matter what happened between Central Connecticut and Robert Morris, would at least have a chance for a share and maybe steal the automatic bid in the NEC. Bryant comes out of nowhere and absolutely punches them in the mouth. Um, really, really impressive performance, to be honest. Um, did not see it coming at all. They went 20-16. to Duquesne put up 10 points in the fourth quarter, but just really couldn't get anything going, but Really, really good win for Bryant. They've struggled this year. Good for them. Good win. And punch the ticket to the big dance. We'll talk about Central Connecticut State just a little bit. You can't just go into Smithfield, Rhode Island, and get a victory. (laughs) (laughs) You can't go into Rhode Island anywhere without making somebody uncomfortable because they're all packed into about five square miles. Shocker of the week for me is an interesting one. I I have two here. One of them is a team that won, and one of them is a team that lost. 
My shocker of the week that a loser was Northwestern State over Sam Houston. Now, you've been singing Northwestern State's praises all year. From the beginning of the year, you thought they were maybe a bubble team for the postseason. Right. Didn't turn out that way. And what we've seen from the Southland last year, I mean, last week, four-way tie going into the week for first place. Sam Houston State had probably the easiest game of the four, and they lose to Northwestern State. A shocker. But the other one that was interesting to me, Illinois State barely beats Morgan State. And I mean barely. 17-12. Or um, not um, Missouri State. Okay. Me. I was going to say I wasn't yeah. on that call. 17-12. Illinois State gets a win against Missouri State. That's not supposed to happen if you're a top 10 team. So the struggles continue. But now I'm going to go ahead and, and tell your shocker of the week. But uh, Albany at New Hampshire. <sighs> I was just shocked that you know, New Hampshire, we were, we were talking about, you know, it's one of those teams that, that quietly could – jump into this playoff picture and with this loss to Albany it kind of puts them you know burst their bubble and solidifies the bubble of Albany of getting into the playoffs I thought this was a big win for Albany shocked that New Hampshire went out there and laid an egg like they did especially in the passing game see I'm not shocked I I thought for sure Albany had this game in the bag I think this game was closer for me than I thought it was going to be I thought Albany could run away with this ball game against UNH Granted, the UNH defense has been much improved over what we saw last year. They've been much better the last few weeks. Albany's offense can put together big plays when you least expect it, and I was expecting them to win much bigger in this game, but you know what? Solid win for, for Albany. Good win for them, and as you said, maybe they're not, they're, they still have a bubble. They still have a bubble, but certainly a little bit better situation now. What's your What was the wildest game of the week for you? Wildest game of the week for me was Chattanooga beating the Citadel. Not yep. because Chattanooga won. Chattanooga's quietly 5-2 and two in conference play with this win. Yep. Uh, but it was the fact that Chattanooga had to come back. The Citadel had this game under control. And when you talk about a team that runs the option, having a lead, it is so tough for the opponent to come back. So that's why it was so shocking. Maybe this could have been a shocker, but it was just wild at how it happened. And remember the name, um, Token Hanks? Mm-hmm. Albany's running back former running back, mm-hmm. is now the running back at Chattanooga, grad transfer to uh, Chattanooga, and he ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Big reason why Elijah Ibatokin Hanks had a touchdown late in the fourth quarter, but Nick Tiano, the quarterback, much maligned, but had a good showing in this ball game, got the touchdown and put them up 34-33 in which they won. But this, this was a wild game because of how yeah. they allowed – the Citadel, who has beaten Georgia Tech – has an impressive resume, allowed Chattanooga to come back in this ballgame and, and, and win it. And at the same time, again, I don't know if it's completely burst their bubble, but it's certainly It's going to be hard now. to argue. It's going to be certainly weak now. My wild game of the week came from the Patriot League, the running joke that is the Patriot League this year. Holy Cross taking on Fordham. This was a decent ball game through three quarters. It was 14-14 at the end of three quarters with Fordham having the ball. Fordham gets a touchdown early in the fourth quarter to take a lead. DeMora had a nice day, by the way, for the Rams. Fordham looks much improved. Holy Cross then scores 35 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Where did that come from? Where was that two weeks ago when they had to win a couple games? But here's the thing. Lafayette loses. Lehigh loses. So now, three weeks ago, Holy Cross was in the driver's seat and choked. This week, they're in the driver's seat after everybody else chokes. It's a constant flow in the Patriot League. 
You have you no said, idea. You said they scored 35 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter. 35 in the, yeah, the 10-22, 6-10, 342, 306, and 104 marks. Here's the trip part. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So like I've always brought up, I've seen Holy Cross do this before. Last year, yeah, thirty-one-five. Oh, we know they had the yeah. offense. We know they had the offense. They were uh, they were down thirty-one-five against Georgetown with ten minutes left in the game and won 32-31. I feel bad for the kicker Derek Ng because that kid must have been cramping up on the sideline, kicking that many extra points in that short of a span. But uh, but certainly a big game there. You could talk about Eastern Washington against Cal Poly too. A wild that was game a close there. One too, yeah. Jacksonville over Marist in double overtime. That was a crazy game out of the Pioneer League. But thirty-five points in the fourth quarter. Come on, that's ridiculous. Who do you have as your game balls? And actually, before we go there, I should mention, too, with Sam Houston State losing to Northwestern State, they did out did not have their starting quarterback that game, and Nathan Stewart was also out. Do you want suspended. to talk about Nathan Stewart was suspended for missing the team meeting. So you want to talk about maybe why they're going to miss the playoffs? But it goes to show you that's there a is. great job by uh, Casey Keeler because Nathan Stewart is a star. Yeah. And you suspend him before a big game. Mm-hmm. I saw this on my travels this week at Marshall. Yep. Marshall La Tech. La Tech, first in the in the Conference USA West Division, steamrolling to a possible matchup on the uh, on the East side with uh, I want to say um, I forgot who's number one in the Eastern Conference USA, but both teams are with one loss in conference. Mm-hmm. So this was a huge game for La Tech, and they suspended their starting quarterback and receiver. And lost that game, yep. but it shows you that you no one is above the team rules. Selfish actions have consequences. They do, and so now you got to look at your teammates in the face and like, man, I really cost them a chance at the championship. So shout out to Casey Keeler for doing that, having the, the 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 balls to do that to make sure you suspend a guy for breaking the team rule, especially for a team that and Sam Houston State is always ranked highly to start every year, always seems to make the playoffs. Not going to happen this year. Now we get into the game balls. Game balls, running back Pete Guerrero, 30 carries, 237 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Big day for Kurt Rawlings, the quarterback from Yale. They demolished Princeton. All the people that were naysayers saying, why is Princeton ranks? Well, you were right in this this case. But Kurt Rawlings, 22 of 34, 338, six touchdowns. Huge game for Yale. And now they are tied with Dartmouth for the Ivy League lead interesting with one week to go defensive player of the game i'm not going to give it to a player but a team in its entirety wofford to hold Furman to 98 yards passing 167 yards on the ground and seven points which came in the first quarter so they pitched a shutout for three consecutive quarters they got a big time win and puts a little bit of question into Furman. now Furman, i think is going to get into the playoffs but how far they're going to go. It's a question. Wofford's defense stepped up, showed up, and just shut down the Paladins. And Furman going into this week, maybe people were thinking maybe they're a seeded team in the postseason. I don't know if they've got that anymore. I don't know if if they're even hosting a first-round game at this point. Uh, My defensive player of the game is going to go to Montana Richard defensive tackle Alex Gubner. He got his fourth interception. Not sack, not tackle for loss as a defensive tackle. No interception he's got three interceptions in the past five games no one else on montana's defense has two for the season and a defensive tackle is leading that category for montana well done young man maybe you should uh, switch positions to safety i'm not sure <laughs> maybe defensive tackle is not the spot for you because you got better hands and you know we'd like to highlight defensive shutouts yep in college football last week we didn't have any 
Yeah, which was weird. That was right. a weird week. It was a weird week. This week we got four. Yep. Patriot League, Colgate, 16, Lafayette, zero. Yep. Your guy, Keegan Schumacher, didn't have a good game. But no, he did not. But I do like Keegan Schumacher. I'm joking. I'm, I'm saying it oh, in yeah. jest. But he's, oh, he's yeah. going to be a ver- very good player for Lafayette. Mary Mack got their shutout against Franklin Pierce. Not an FCS school, but it's still, still a shutout. Still a shutout. Grambling, 40. Valley, nothing. Mississippi Valley State. Ouch. And that sets up a huge matchup between <laughs> Grambling and Southern yeah. next week for all of the Marbles in the SWAC West. And staying in HBCU football, probably scoreboard watching, South Carolina State shuts out North Carolina Central 24 to nothing, which now puts a lot of the focus on the Florida Classic this upcoming weekend between Bethune and FAMU. And A&T versus Central. We'll the talk Aggie Eagle Classic. We'll exactly. talk about that one coming up in a second. I've got two more game balls to give out. Got to give my team game ball to Southeast Eastern Louisiana's defense. Six interceptions. Six of them. And, like, and again, Northwestern State had four. I thought that was going to be it. All right, cool. Wait, six? Yeah, six interceptions. <laughs> the, the quarterback they were playing gets got benched. They bring in the backup. They picked him off three times. Incredible job. That's crazy. And then the kicker from Bryant, Luke Sam Perry, two or three on field goals. His miss was from 44. Okay, whatever. He made from 45 and 50. And Bryant won that game by how much? Do the math, folks. He was the key to this game. Kickers and punters and people, too. Do it for the brand. Let's move to the top 25s. Emery, some shakeup, though, in the national polls is coming after this past week. We had a couple of upsets. What do you have for a top five in your new top 25 poll? You know what's crazy? I had issues yesterday with the stats website, um, so I don't know if my poll went through. Uh, <laughs> but I did send my poll over to Craig Haley, at Craig Haley, uh, who does a great job over there with stats. So here's my top five. North Dakota, James Madison, Montana moves up to number three. Mm-hmm. I didn't drop Weber too far. Weber is number four, and South Dakota State jumps back into my top five at number five. The top five seem to be settled at this point, I think, just generally. Same thing with me. North Dakota State, one. JMU, two. Montana, three. I have South Dakota State at number four. Weber at five. But really, other than that, there's really not too many teams you can make an argument for to jump into that top five at this point. Well, starting with six through ten, it's it's getting interesting because Sacramento State for me was at number six, mm-hmm. and then I have Northern Iowa, Montana State, Illinois State, and Central Connecticut State. I'm surprised you have you and I that high up. I wasn't. I, I didn't knock them for what happened. Okay. All right. Well, I got Sac State at six. I got Montana State at number seven. Uh, Illinois State at eight, but I'm still very weary about that number eight. Semo uh, at nine, and Northern Iowa. I dropped to number ten after this week. 11 through 15 for me, Monmouth, their offense is, is hitting it mm-hmm. at the right time. Mm-hmm. They, they, are, they look explosive. Yep. So Monmouth, Wofford jumps up to number 12. Central Arkansas, Villanova, I was impressed this weekend. Uh, with their, I know it was against Long Island, but very good bounce back game for them. They're still 8-3. Yep. and three. Um, And 15 is Southeast Missouri State. For me, I got Wofford at number 11. Very nice win over Furman this week. Towson at 12. I think they clinched their spot as well. In the playoffs, Villanova at 13, Central Arkansas at 14, the Fighting Governors of Austin P at number 15. They had a big win this weekend. They, you know, all they had to do was just win and win the next two weeks to get their spot. They dominated their game this week. Big win for the Govs. Speaking of the Govs, or Governor, exactly. at number 16, Nichols, because Francis T. Nichols was a governor of Louisiana. Uh, so, 
16 <laughs> Nichols, the 17 disrespect. Austin P, 18 <laughs> Kennesaw State, 19 I have Southern Illinois, and Furman at 20. Number 16, I got FAMU in there still balling out week to week. And, and I want to bring up something too here because we've talked about this. Yale, uh, the Ivy League has always said, hey, we want our champion, you know, maybe play an FBS team in Florida. That could be an interesting game. How about you play an FCS team in Florida? I would love to see either Yale or Dartmouth against FAMU in a postseason game. They both won't be doing anything first week of December. Exactly. So you might as well play the ball game. 17 is Furman, Southeastern Louisiana at 18. I got Nichols at number 19, Central Connecticut State at number 20. You got Central Connecticut State so far now. Why is that? Just based on the strength of the rest of the schedule. The rest of the schedule, Dave? Well, I mean, the, the schedule beyond, you know, the first few weeks of the season. You know what I meant. Okay. 21 <laughs> through 25, Southeastern Louisiana, Albany, Yale, North Carolina A&T, and 25, San Diego. 21, I got Dartmouth still in there, but just by the skin of their teeth. A&T at 22, Southern Illinois at 23, Kennesaw moves back into my rankings at number 24, and North Dakota slips in at number 25. They had a little trouble this week. But they're just in at number 25, just barely ahead of UNH and UT Martin. Where's UC Davis? Out. I'll just make it short. Because <laughs> you know how you get. I, sh- I should have thrown Eastern Washington at 25 just to mess with you. Uh, <laughs> you talking about tw- top 25s. We mentioned tickets punched. Ten automatic qualifiers for the playoffs. We now know six of them. We could have known at least eight of them last week, but we got six. So let's talk about the teams that are in, and let's... Go in alphabetical order. We don't play favorites here. We're going to start in the Big South. The Monmouth Hawks finally have that crown in the Big South. They got a big win over Campbell this week. They finished off the game, which they almost didn't do against North Alabama a couple weeks ago. Didn't have a problem on the road against the Camels. This Monmouth team, yes, the Big South's not a strong conference. Yes, it's Monmouth. They're not that big of a program. Doubt them at your own peril because this team is, as you said, clicking on all cylinders right now, and they're playing good defense on top of it. Bingo. That's where I was going to go with it because right now they have the best defense in the Big South. They were playing outstanding defense, and that was probably the biggest question mark coming into yeah. the season. That and along the offensive line. There are no questions there on both sides. Their offense is on fire right now. They've won seven straight games. They got over the bugaboo of Kennesaw State, blew them out, and haven't looked back. They've blown out the rest of the opponents. I think this is a scary team moving forward. I think they can go into the playoffs, win a game or two, and be highly competitive. And what I'm impressed with with Monmouth is their ability to, to turn the ball over on defense as well. It's not just they're you know stopping people. They're turning the ball over. Um, they've got a big win over a CAA team in Albany that looks like they might be going to the postseason as well. And here's the biggest thing with them. Their two biggest wins of the year were on the road. They beat Kennesaw on the road. They beat Campbell on the road. So Monmouth, no matter where they end up in the playoffs, whether they're hosting or not, they're going to be a tough out. I still think this is a two-bid league. If Kennesaw keeps winning by big numbers, like they have done since that loss to Monmouth, it might very It'll well be. It'll be hard to keep a 10-win, although two of those wins aren't D1 wins. True. That's what's so going to hurt them. The eight, they need the eighth win, I think. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. Let's move to the CAA. No surprise, JMU Dukes. Again, you get that they're good. Until you see them live, you don't realize how good this team is. There's a reason that they are favorites and perennial favorites, and they're probably heading back to the championship game this year. 
but this offense is a lot more explosive than people give it credit for. How about say the best offense and best defense in the conference? Yeah. I mean, those two things, I mean, you can't argue with that. Ten win, ten game win streak, no slip ups, no real scares. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one loss was an FBS loss, and that was a pretty good game, to be honest. Um, James Madison is for real. James Madison absolutely is for real. And the biggest stat for me for them. They're top five nationally in third down conversion on offense and third down defense. They're top five in both categories. There were seven of seven inside the red zone this weekend against Richmond. They will win a lot of games <laughs> by doing that. On to the Missouri Valley Conference. What a shock. North Dakota State. But here's the thing. They've got a, a youngster at the quarterback position, and he's making it look simple. No freshman or sophomore should make it look this easy. In any level of college football. And he's making it look like it's child's play. This North Dakota State team might be more dangerous now than they've been in the last five years. This is the Missouri Valley Conference version of James Madison. You know, great offense, great defense. Best on both in both categories, in multiple categories. Like, North Dakota State just is a factory yeah. of success. There's no weakness in their game, I don't think. No, absolutely not. And, and we know that from... Just seeing them again, you know, in rivalry games, they got North Dakota this year, blew them out of the water. The only team they had trouble with was South Dakota State. That was the only tight game they had this year. So I wonder what the, the only speed bump they or jam you're going to hit is probably either in the semifinals or the quarterfinals. Or literally on the way to Frisco, like <laughs> on the highway. <laughs> run, run over a jackrabbit exactly. on the way. But we move now to the NEC. To the team that might be the most discounted team. You just you can't say that after you just had them 20. Myself included. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Keep going now. Going into the postseason, the Blue Devils of Central Connecticut State. They've now won the past two years, I believe. Back-to-back years in the NEC. This team, what people don't realize, oh, it's the NEC. They're playing a weak conference. Sure, they only have one win as to an FBS team, whatever. They were 10 seconds and a blocked punt from being undefeated with an FBS win. And when I was watching, actually, some of the coverage when I was at JMU at halftime and they were talking about the playoffs and the seeding, one guy had Central Connecticut State as the eight seed. You could make that argument. They're playing some of the best defense in the country. They should have an FBS win under their belt. They've dominated every single team they've played this season. And yet they're 20th in your rankings. I still want to see them against big-time opponents. You just you just laid out. <laughs> you just said literally <laughs> 10 seconds ago, <laughs> they are a block punt away from beating the FBS team. You, so you think a win over Fordham, Merrimack, and Valparaiso at the beginning of the year is... is you can only play who's on the schedule. <sighs> didn't we see Didn't we see last year Youngstown State lose to Butler? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. you can only play who's on the schedule. I want to see how they respond against Duquesne because the game doesn't mean anything now. But you know Duquesne wants to I want to see something. them play the Pittsburgh Steelers of 72. And if they can win that game, then maybe I move them up <laughs> into my top 18. Okay, fine, fine, <laughs> fine, whatever. Let's move to another perennial team in these postseason, and that is San Diego. Winners of the Pioneer League again. They started off slowly, though. Usually the San Diego team is pretty good from the beginning, from week one all the way through the end of the season. They struggled at the beginning of this year, and we started to question wait a minute here, maybe San Diego is right for the taking. Dayton looked strong this year. You're fighting Davidson Wildcats looked strong this year. Drake was having a good season. Stetson was coming off a good year. Once they got into conference play, it was all over, folks. I mean, they, they've just absolutely dominated. The Toreros with Reed Sinet at the controls is a team 
where we've seen it. They've won two or three years in a row in the first round against a team from a bigger conference. You know what threw us all off? It was the week one game against Cal Poly. Yeah, and where they was got like, Wait smacked a minute. by Cal yeah, Poly. Yeah, it was like, hold on, man. Maybe they're not the same. Anthony Lawrence is gone, and you know they don't have the, the horses anymore, and all they yeah. got is Michael Bandy, and they just then they lose to – UC Davis closely. And then they barely beat Harvard. Right. And so now, so, so it was like, okay, maybe. And then he just got better. <laughs> and, you know, blew out Davidson. They crushed Marist. They, you know, did a great job against Dayton. And when that being, and every other game has been a blowout. So, yeah, they, they've done a good job, man. And it's not like the Pioneer has been down. You talked about Dayton, no. Davidson, and Drake are really good teams. So, and Stetson has been good offensively. So, Shout out to San Diego being a model of consistency. Four teams in the Pioneer League with an above 500 record, yeah. including Davidson with eight wins. You can't knock it. It would be nice to see them in a bowl game. <clears throat> uh, let's move to the last bid that was punched this week and the SoCon. The SoCon has been a wild, wild place this year. We thought Furman had it in control, then they lose to the Citadel. We thought Wofford had it at the beginning of the year, then they lose it a couple games. Then we thought the Citadel, holy, well, you know, they knocked off Georgia Tech. They've beaten Furman. They're on their way. Nope. Wofford, same old story. Wofford just sits in the back of the corner. Okay, we took a punch. We're just going to sit back here. We're going to rest. We're going to recoup. Let you guys fight it out amongst yourselves. And the Terriers are back in the postseason. Well, we've been talking about their defense all season, or at least I have. And even with Furman playing very good defense all season long, we just saw in this matchup that the better defense ultimately won. Yep. Wofford is a very good football team. We know the challenges that they present with their option attack. Outstanding win. And they had to win these last two games to really get back into this conversation. Yep. And they did just that and got themselves back to the playoffs. Top 40 in every major defensive category in there terms of go. team defense. So that's the difference between this year's Wofford and last year's Wofford, where they had a couple of chinks in the armor uh, going forward. But defensively, they're solid pretty much all the way around, including against the pass, which if you're running an option every day, you don't expect to be that good against a passing offense. They're right there. Let's continue with the postseason conversation, and let's talk about the Ivy League. Just, again, just when you think you got it figured out, Dartmouth knocks off Princeton at Yankee Stadium. They're the only undefeated team left. Okay, cool. Dartmouth's going to roll the rest of the year. Easy. Now they lose to Cornell in a shocking loss. And all of a sudden, quietly, Yale goes in last week and knocks off Princeton. Or this week, goes and knocks off Princeton. We now have a tie again. And it's <laughs> right. Yale and Dartmouth. Dartmouth looks like they're slowing down, if anything. Looks like they got up for the Princeton game, and then since then, they've kind of been a little bit sluggish. Yale's just been firing on all cylinders since they lost to Big Green. And that's the thing. If Dartmouth loses to Brown and Yale knocks off Harvard in the game, you know, Yale is number one by themselves. But if both teams win, it'll be a split Ivy title. Right. You know, and shout out to Yale. Great defense. Rawlings, the quarterback, Dudek, the running back, they're balanced. And this was a team that has grown up together. Yeah. And they all played as freshmen, and now they're seniors, and they've been playing really good football. So I like what I've seen over the years from Yale. Uh, but Dartmouth put themselves in, in the bind with this one because of how uh, they, they, they lost to Cornell. It was a, and they blew out Yale. And, and Brown quietly knocked off Columbia pretty soundly this past week for their first win since week one against Bryant. E.J. Perry, I believe he set a couple of records last game uh, for the se- for a season record. This is a, a Brown team that, yeah, they're not winning games. They lost to Cornell by two. They lost to Penn by two. They're lo- they lost to Rhode Island by three. 
this is a good football team. They've been a lot of close they games. They shot. just haven't finished. They've averaged 30 point, 31 points a game. Well, you know Coach Perry is going to bring the offense wherever he goes. So, the offense at Princeton two years ago, we saw the offense jump significantly at Bryant last year, and now we're seeing the offense jump at Brown. So if Darvin's offense isn't up for this game, you could see a shocker, and Yale might come from absolutely nowhere to win the Ivy League title. Speaking of more teams that are not going to be in the playoffs but are going to be in the postseason discussion, let's talk Celebration Bowl. It's looking a little bit clearer now. For who? For North Carolina A&T. Okay. Got the win that they needed to get against Bethune-Cookman. They soundly defeated Bethune-Cookman. So all that A&T now has to do is win their final game in the Aggie Eagle Classic against NC Central. They do that. They're in. If they lose, South Carolina State and Buddy Pugh are, again, just going about their business. They're just doing their thing. They will have the tiebreaker. They will go to Atlanta, which would be a shock for everybody. I know you said South Carolina State was going to be good this year. I didn't expect them to be at this point. Meanwhile, FAMU's saying, eh, we're better than all of you. We know it. (laughs) Doesn't worry about me. Meanwhile, the SWAC, we almost, almost had a shock in the SWAC. I may have had a little bit of a preemptive thing because there was an actually a glitch that the Stats website uh, actually admitted to where it recorded the wrong quarter. So when it was going into the fourth quarter, they said the game was over and they had Alabama. I was wondering what you were talking about. Exactly. What the hell is, like, usually you are a prisoner of the moment and I'm like, what the oh, hell is on. Dave talking about? Like, this is, like, it's, just, it's still a third quarter. But like, it, what is he talking about? But it actually said Alabama A&M final overall court. It was over. It was done. It was a glitch in the system. Good thing I didn't tweet anything about it. I would have been a little bit silly. But Alcorn comes back and recovers. So Alcorn has clinched the SWAC East. They're going to the SWAC title game. It now comes down to the SWAC West again. Prairie View has kind of fallen off. They're 3-3. Three and three. So it's going to come down to Southern versus Grambling. These rivalry games are always good in the SWAC. This one will be absolutely huge. The Bayou Classic with something on the line is always a great game. And Southern and uh, Grambling play next week. So they have this week off to get ready for that game that's traditionally held on Thanksgiving weekend. So should be a big game. The winner gets to go play Alcorn. We saw Alcorn and Southern play in a championship game last year. Maybe we get that rematch. Maybe we get Grambling taking on Alcorn. And we get that rematch of two years ago when they played each other to get to the Celebration Bowl Grambling did themselves. So we're in for a great game no matter what. But yep. in the MEAC, it's like you can't count out Central. Nope. Central is getting some sal- solid play uh, from their from their um, freshman quarterback. A&T's offense got on the right track last week, but I saw them against Morgan State, and they struggled. Yeah. So you don't know. And South uh, South Carolina State, if they get the win, I, and all maybe, they have to do is they. But if they get the win, maybe people don't want to hear this, but they have an impressive resume to potentially get in that large bit. But they're not ranked. That's the only issue. They are seven and three. Their only losses are to FAMU, A and T, and South Florida. They do have one non. Ah, so they do need this one win. They do need the win. But here's the thing: they also have a win over Wofford, who is now. <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, and they have a win against Bethune-Cookman. There you go. So, if they win this game... And Bethune-Cookman... No, Bethune wasn't ranked when they won that game. I don't think. No, I don't think they were. But, at the same time, it might be the weakest bubble of all time, but they've got one. It's it's there. They've got one. And speaking of bubbles, the playoff field, again, six teams guaranteed. Quite a few more teams have guaranteed at least getting an at-large bid at this point. 
for me, I've got three spots open that are completely wide open, and I believe I have, yes, I've got ten teams that could potentially fill those three spots that you can make an argument for. Who are your teams that are right now on the bubble getting in, and who are the bubble teams leaving out? Because right now, you can make an argument that like there's certain conferences where it's either two or three, and there's about three of them. And it might not even be them that gets the at-large bid. So it's, I'll be interested to hear this. What do you, who do you have as the last three teams in? Last three teams in, I'm going to go Nichols. Okay. UT Martin. And Villanova. You have Villanova barely in. Yeah, because wow. here's – Well, they got three conference losses. True. Um, and Albany is a team that I think has a stronger bubble. But if you if you want to take Villanova out of the conversation, put Kennesaw on the bubble. So okay. let's let's do Kennesaw or Villanova or Villanova, Nichols and UT Martin. All right, and who are your three out just outside of the picture at this point? Three outside the picture. I'm going to go Towson. I don't think Towson gets in. Really? Yeah, I got Towson out. I have the Citadel out. Okay. Based off what just happened yep. this past weekend, and. I mean, they they've been out in my opinion. I, I was gonna go Southland, but um, I'll go I'll go Southland. I'll, I'll say uh, Sam Houston State is out. Just out. Okay, that's fine. Um, what do you have Southern Illinois? By the way, I have them in. You have them in it's full. Firmly in. Okay, I have them in. They okay. have an impressive resume. Because I, I have them as my of the three te- the last three teams in. I have, I have them furthest away from the line mm-hmm. of those three. I've got them as the number twenty two team. As long as they well, here's the thing: they've got North Dakota State in the last game. So they did what they had to do the last two weeks with an FBS win, with a top 25 win. If they put up any kind of fight at all against North Dakota State, they're guaranteed. But I still have them, I think, on the bubble. I think people will have questions about them being a fifth team from the Valley. My next team just barely in for me is Albany. I think they have a stronger bubble than most. That win over UNH was absolutely vital. They go into their last game now... I think a win guarantees their spot. I don't think they, you know, I think they have to win this one, but if they can knock off Stony Brook on the road, that's huge for them. I think, but I think right now they are in. That last spot is a question mark, a big question mark, because I don't think another CAA team is getting in. I've got right now four guaranteed Hmm. JMU, Villanova, Towson. I've got them in. Yeah, Towson in. I've got Towson in. So the last spot for me, I think, will come down to the whoever wins this game this week between Nichols and Southeastern Louisiana. Because with Southeastern Louisiana, because they have that one last game. Yeah. If they don't win it, they're out. If they win it, I think they're just barely in. As for Nichols, Southland is, is pretty weak this year. You know, strong within the conference, but in terms of the national picture, not so, not so much. Nichols has to win this game, too, for me, to get in. My first three out. UT Martin just misses. I think Kennesaw just misses. And I think UNH is probably the last team in that bubble conversation. But they've got a big game this week, too. You got Eastern Washington in? Eastern Washington, we talk about fragile bubbles. They are the most fragile of bubbles. I do not have them in at this point. They would need to win this last game, win convincingly, and get a lot of help. Just because there's already four teams in from the big sky. Because Montana State winning this week... Even if Montana State loses, they're in. Right, exactly. Well, but winning like last week, I mean. Right. Their win last week solidified their spot. I think so. You already have four teams. I've got four teams from the Big Sky. I've got at least four guaranteed from the Valley and four 
guaranteed from the CAA, I think. But I don't think a fifth team will be in the out of the Big Sky unless all hell breaks loose in the last week. Like Albany would have to lose, UT Martin would have to lose, Citadel would have to lose, Southern Illinois would have to lose. You'd have to have a tie between Nichols and Southeastern Louisiana, <laughs> which can't even happen. Eastern Washington will need a lot of help and some favorable committee members plus a win in order to get in for me. I think it's just really, really tough. It's going to be interesting to the, down the stretch this last week. Uh, you know, we got a couple of games, uh, not a couple of games, we got a ton of games we're going to cover in our FCS kickoff yep. preview. Um, we won't be able to cover the Nichols Southeast Louisiana game because that one comes out, that one plays on Thursday, and our FCS kickoff show is on Friday. Right. So that's a huge game that will happen early in the week. So we'll know Friday where both teams stand, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Let's get into some of the games this week. Let's talk about some of the rivalry games that we're watching this week. We mentioned the Aggie Eagle Classic between A&T and Central. You got A&M at Bethune-Cookman is a huge one. Uh, right? Uh, uh, yeah, a huge one in deciding. Family the Florida Classic. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Harvard-Yale, of course, in the game. Uh, Lafayette, Lehigh, the oldest rivalry in college Quietly, football. Quietly, that's a good one. Which, whoever wins that game, depending on what Holy Cross does, might get <laughs> them an automatic bid. Please don't. Please, Holy Cross. I want an above 500 team winning a conference and getting in, please. And then Maine, New Hampshire. Now, this remember, this game last year was played early on in the season. Right. And that propelled Maine to winning the CAA title, was winning this game. Now it's the last game of the year, the Battle of the Bryce Cowell Musket. Could decide because Maine is another team. They're on the bubble. That's right on the bubble there too. They need, they've got a win against Albany on their resume already. Who is on another bubble team? If they beat UNH soundly, all of a sudden the Black Bears are right back in the conversation. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. Let's get into some other games, some trap games this week. The other team we didn't talk about, North Dakota, with their three top twenty-five wins. You still on North Dakota? Barely. Because they did not convincingly knock off Northern Colorado last week. If they had swapped Northern Colorado, I think they well, won. They, the they won the game. They won the game, but by that score line, come on now. They've it lost to shootout. North Dakota State, Eastern Washington, Idaho State, and Weber State. Why are they still in your conversation of being in? Because they still have three top twenty-five wins between you and Craig Haley. <laughs> With this North Dakota, they barely lost a Weber by three. What's the action verb in that statement? Lost. <laughs> <laughs> I still think North Dakota is going to have a, a role to play, though, in deciding who gets in and who doesn't. They would be on my list for bowl games, and we'll talk about bowl games next week. We will definitely talk about bowl games next week because there there's some be, good matchups that I would like to see. There could be some great matchups we could see. Um, another one to talk about here again, Albany at Stony Brook. Stony Brook's dead in the water. Stony Brook had a very good year. They had a good year, yeah. But they had some really bad losses as yeah. well. They some were dramatic wins with bad losses. Flirting with the top 25 all year. Albany can't sleep on them, especially on the road. Central Arkansas at Incarnate Word. I think Central Arkansas is safe. I think they're in. But the last thing you want to do is start looking at the playoffs and forget about, here comes Incarnate Word. Hi. Right. <laughs> so they do have an FBS win, so that, that helps them out. But Central they can't Arkansas avoid a loss. No, you, you don't want to lose going into right. the postseason. Especially with Nichols in southeastern Louisiana. Exactly. Well, and that's one of my first telling games of the week because I think that will tell us which one of those two teams is in the playoffs. That, it's that, it's that I simple. I can see that happening. Illinois State at Youngstown. Illinois State is in. I think they are in. I think they're safely in. But they have, again, I saw them live at Western Illinois. They did not convince me there. 
I've had more and more questions every week with them of how real this team could be. Youngstown could expose them. Youngstown again, up and down year, better from last year. They for started sure. out hot. Man. They I was started all out. Youngstown was on the hype train. The Penguin hype train I was, was going all the way to the Penguin North. hype train. <laughs> they're going all the way to the North Pole. They're going to the playoffs. They're going to the right. championship game. Not so much, but they're still a very good football team. And then Kennesaw at home against Gardner Webb. Gardner Webb has given people trouble in the Big South this year. If Kennesaw wants to be that second team from the Big South, they need to thump them. I mean, absolutely thump them. So that's going to be a telling game there to see who the, in the playoff picture. Unsung games of the week. Georgetown at Holy Cross. Does the Georgetown defense, do they get a little revenge? Can they get their sixth win, their winning season? Can they? They're, they're, it's been five weeks running. This. It's been five weeks running. <laughs> Georgetown, all they have to do is win one game, and they get their first winning season since 2011 or 2012. Georgetown, Hoyas, why do you torture this man this way? One game. Why do you torture this man week after week? Wofford at Citadel. Again, Citadel's still in the conversation. If Citadel wins. If Citadel beats Wofford, now that Wofford's guaranteed in. They got a stronger case than probably Furman. You don't think Furman's going to miss out, do you? No. Okay, so there you so you think if Citadel wins, that's the third team of the SOCON. I think so. In there. And Citadel, you know I would love option football. Qu- quick games, which is nice for us as announcers and media members. Oh, my God, those are the best. <laughs> and really tough to defend. And then North Dakota State at Southern Illinois. Because Southern Illinois is hosting this game. This is show. This is this is a, a showcase game, I think, for Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois also runs a sort of an option offense. They do a lot of running game. How can they stand up against North Dakota State? I don't think if Southern Illinois makes the playoffs, I'll preface it this way: If Southern Illinois makes the playoffs, I think they can win one game there, but not two. But if they put up a decent fight against North Dakota State, you got them going to Frisco. No. <laughs> Absolutely. You're the king if, of hyperbole. If, I was waiting for that. If the Salukis go to Fresno, there's something wrong with the universe. We need to hit Control-Alt-Delete and just start it over. But the game of the week, the stats game of the week, might be the, one of the most important brawls in the wild in all of all time. Montana at Montana State. The Bobcats have ruined the lives of Grizzly fans for the past few years. They've ended their season and kept them out of the playoffs. They're both going. They're both going to win. So how is this going to be the most important in in in, in a long time? In, day, term, in term of bragging, of hyperbole. In terms of <laughs> of top ten ranking, in terms of potential seeding. There you go for the postseason, which is outside Every, of the top two teams, is a huge question mark right now. You think both teams could get seeds? I think both teams deserve to get seeds at this point. There's a reason I got Montana State at number seven. I agree. I, and I think the way the Big Sky has played out this year, with how strong it's been. Montana State wins this, they might get a seed around the five, maybe six mark. They they could end up putting it there, which again, they had a tough loss earlier in the year. We thought they were they were gonna be just an at large, but now they could be a seed, but Montana is good. Yeah, Montana's real good. The 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 old days of the Grizz back in the early two thousands have returned. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. We liked the headline segment last week, folks, so we're gonna do it again. We got some headlines for what we're gonna see. At the end of next weekend, are we going to know? I will preface yours. Are yours before or after playoff selection show? It was when is the playoff? Sunday? Sunday at 1230 ESPNU, folks. That's when the entire field will be revealed. Okay, so they are going to be before. Well, this one, this first one is before. Okay. All right. Florida is a classic. Okay. 
So I left it up to interpretation. I'm not going to predict the winner here on the show on a Monday. <laughs> but I, I will say that the Florida Classic will be outstanding. So Florida is a classic. Play on the Florida Classic. Sounds good. Sounds good. I've got one that's going to be before the show and one after the selection show. Okay. The one from before, Big Sky High Five, Eastern Washington, if they can knock off Portland State convincingly, will there be a fifth Big Sky team? So you I think Big it's, Sky High Five. I like that. If, I think it's still very, very doubtful. Okay. But they knock off Portland State convincingly, maybe. Maybe. What's your What's your next headline here? Next headline would be Blue Devils dominate Dukes. It's a simple one. Mm. It's a simple one, but I do think you see how Blue Devils do. Mm-hmm. Very nicely played. Yeah, Very okay. nicely so played. There we go. Um, I think Central Connecticut State has a chance to see. That would be that would be the shock of this entire season if you had said in week one a team from the nec is going to be a top eight seed in the playoffs that's true it, you would right you're crazy right <laughs> you're exactly. absolutely crazy right my other headline here this is for after the selection show bryce cowell musket misfire <laughs> no matter who wins right the main unh game i don't think either of them make the playoffs because albany will win this week they will take that last spot from the CAA. So it doesn't matter who has the rifle at the end of the day. Neither of y'all are making it. I should have said duped Blue Devils. That would have been better. I, I, that no, no, I, I like the way you did yours, duped though. Duped Blue Devils. Eh, it was, it's okay. It's okay. I, I like the first one a little bit better, though. What's your last headline? Going that, that, all I had was two. All you just had, had the two? Because any other headline would be, would be like <laughs> predicting games on a Monday. And and I, I will I will have one last headline then and just for just for the Twitterverse, hashtag RIP FCS selection committee, because no matter what they say, no matter what they pick, and they are, they the are going to twenty fifteen will have problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it's as much as we ragged on the committee the last couple of years on mm-hmm. this podcast around this time of year, I do not envy their job this time around because there are I mean like I said I've got ten teams potentially that could be those last three spots. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you doing what you're supposed to do. You you kind of have a great idea of who's deserving. You would think, but Austin P was deserving two years ago. That's why put me on <laughs> put me on a committee. I'm, I'm on a committee. Put me on. You're non-partial. No you're I'm non-partial. Partial. I have no ties. I have no you know I, you know I have no allegiances to FCS football. Yeah. So Craig Haley, you started the hashtag earlier this season. FCS on game day. Hashtag Emery for the committee. Exactly. Hunt on a committee. <laughs> Hunt 2020. Football. Hunt for the committee. I, like, exactly. We got to come up with a jazzy one. Craig's <laughs> good at that stuff. So, Craig, get, a, get your team on this now. Although FCS on game day was lame, Craig. It was a little lame, but it got the job done. It did. It worked. It they, worked. Got, they got it him worked. out to Brookings. I mean, there was no way they were going to go near South Dakota unless they were going through it to get to Fargo before then. True. That's a good so, point. So... You know, Craig Haley's got he's, he's good with he's his gonna, He's going to come up with a good hashtag for me. And again, any complaints about the selection committee, you can send to Craig Haley at Craig Haley on Twitter. You know what? You know what is, ideally, what I what I want, and I think what a lot of people want is for every conference to have a say. Yeah. So you want to see the Swag Miak Ivy participate? Yeah. Obviously. Yes. Because it, it gives you a, a sense of true national champion. Because we talked about this last year, how Princeton probably could have 
challenge maybe North Dakota State. Yeah. They could have won two or three games. And how this year, fam, you could go in there and probably win one or two games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about Grambling in their heyday with the with the high-flying offenses they had. Could have gone and won a couple, two games, you know, maybe two games. So, and, and you don't want to get rid of the celebration ball. That's the problem. You don't want to – this whole situation. You don't want to sacrifice the bag to lose money. Right. You know, they make money off the celebration bowl. They lose money in the playoffs. Right. So I get it financially. Uh, but the selection committee, all jokes aside, they do have a tough job. A very Because job. it's not about the – obviously it's not about the conference winners, the auto bids. It's the at-large bids. So you're dealing with what? Maybe uh, you got 10, um, 10 auto bids. bids. So you're dealing with 14 at-large bids with 25 worthy teams. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. It's going to be very difficult for them. That's just math. Don't be too harsh on them, folks. Uh, leave that to us. We'll do that right. in retrospect. Uh, so next week, though, folks, again, the selection committee will make those picks on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPNU. So that is when the entire field, including the eight seeds, will be revealed, the first-round matchups, and we will break down those matchups. Uh, who got in that we were surprised by, who got snubbed. We'll talk about the entire selection process there. We'll go into our yearly tradition of why aren't there FCS bowl games, and we're going to come up with those FCF bowl games because, again, with so many good teams, there could be some really interesting matchups that we're not going to see that we deserve to. Uh, so we'll talk about that on the show as well. Of course, we'll break down all the games from, from this upcoming week in Week 13. And then uh, maybe we'll have some uh, some guest pickers, perhaps, for the playoff games. Maybe we can get uh, Mike McCarthy to pick against his Purple Bears. Maybe we can get him <laughs> in here and make him selections. We'll see what happens. We'll we, see. We'll see what happens. But this is the last one, folks. This is the grand finale. This is the big one. If you are near an FCS school, if you're an FCS alum that lives nearby where, where they play, go out and support your local team. Go out and support your FCS school. This is the last game of the regular season. This could be the last game of football for a lot of these kids that they are going to play they deserve to play in front of a packed house no matter how cold it is. Enjoy all the rivalry games. Enjoy all the football. We'll see you next week for the postseason preview right here on the FCS Opening Drive podcast. Thanks for listening in. From David Hasegan and Emery Hunt, so long.